0: You're listening to Transforming Insight, the podcast for anyone who has the ambition to transform their insight team and create an insight-driven organization. Your host is James Witchley, Chief Executive of the Insight Management Academy and the author of the book Transforming Insight, the 42 Secrets of Successful Corporate Insight Teams.
1: Hello again, and welcome to the latest episode of the Transforming Insight podcast. This one is called Influencing for Introverts. Picture the scene. It's 11 o'clock on Friday morning, three hours before my weekly one-to-one with my line manager. I've got a whole pile of work to finish before the weekend, and now I've got that to look forward to. Great. What will she ask me to do today? Well, there'll be discussion about the market share analysis I've been working on, of course, just remember that she's away on holiday next week. Do hope she doesn't ask me to deputise for her and present it to the board. Then there's that analysis I've just done on product sales by segment. I really enjoyed working on that one, but now she'll have another go at me for not having arranged a face to face meeting with the product director to discuss it. And then there's that market research conference she was talking about at the team meeting yesterday. She was asking for volunteers. And when she looked around the table and said that some of us really must improve our networking skills, I had a horrible feeling that she might be thinking about volunteering me for it. Great. Can't wait. So, an imaginary scenario, but it's confession time. I'm an introvert. Nothing unusual in that, of course. Psychologists think that about one in three of the population are more introvert than extrovert, and informal surveys and discussions at the IMA's Insight Forums suggest that it's probably a far higher proportion of Insight Specialists. The technical distinction between extroverts and introverts isn't about how loud somebody likes to be, of course, or how comfortable they are recording podcasts. It's more to do with the source of our energy and inspiration. Is our natural tendency to talk to the person next to us if we're stuck, or to go for a walk on our own and reflect in silence. There's a continuum here, of course, but analysis at Barclays some years ago showed that there were far more natural introverts in the Insight team than there were in the marketing department or in the C-suite. The skew was most pronounced in the customer analysis division, where there was a far higher degree of introversion than in the market research function. So the exact mix of introverts and extroverts in your team might well be affected by your ratio of analysts to researchers. Analysts and quantitative researchers are probably the most likely to be introverts, our personality type often well suited to reflection and critical thinking. But all types of insight expert are more likely to be introverts than our marketing neighbours, and of course the leadership group that we report to and seek to influence. Now, corporate life isn't always very comfortable for introverts. The problem is not us. The problem is that many of the working practices that have developed in our offices over the last few decades implicitly favour extroverts over introverts. Let's just think about the things that we so often take for granted. Designing a new office? Let's make it open plan. Need new ideas for a project? Let's have a team brainstorm. Want to increase your chances of promotion? Volunteer to deliver a high-profile presentation? Attending a conference to learn about market research? Well, let's build in plenty of time for participants to network with their peers. Writers such as Susan Kane have rightly highlighted the extent to which our standard approaches to many of these issues sometimes feel like they've been invented by extroverts for extroverts. They can leave introverts, or anyone who's just naturally shy or lacking in social confidence, feeling very uncomfortable. So how can we introverts thrive in an extrovert world? And how can we insight leaders encourage our introverts and find ways to help them to influence decision makers? The IMA's Julia joski examined this topic a few years ago. And in particular, the issue of how we insight leaders can get the most from the introverts in our teams. The first thing to recognise is that there are plenty of situations where introverts actually have a natural advantage. Examples might be really listening to customers and reflecting on their needs, or critically examining the options when we're facing a thorny business issue. But in order to get the most out of all our team members and make sure that we are not subconsciously discriminating against introverts, Insight leaders should reflect on the social aspect of the tasks we expect our analysts and researchers to perform. This relates in particular to influencing skills. How do we square the introvert-extrovert mix in our team? With the demands that we have just said in previous episodes, we want to place on our teams to become better business influencers. Julia listed some top tips for insight leaders. Start by simply recognising that a significant number of your Insight colleagues will instinctively feel uncomfortable at the idea of influencing senior managers. Then, take care not to subconsciously discriminate by assuming that everybody wants to spend time networking with other departments. We should also consider the social demands of making presentations, arranging meetings, and picking up the phone. Is there anything that the extroverts could do to help the introverts, and vice versa? and try to find ways of playing to all our colleagues' strengths. Maybe give introverts responsibility for listening to stakeholders, reflecting on their needs, and drawing up plans for how the overall department could become more persuasive. Over a period of time, there may be things that we can do to help all our colleagues to grow in social confidence in the workplace. But we may also have to recognise that to drive change, we also need to alter the mix of introverts and extroverts in our insight team. Above all, let's be more considerate. Next time we find ourselves complaining about some of our colleagues' inability to communicate as well as we would like them to, and more than once I've heard leaders say, well, my biggest problem is just getting my analysts to talk to the rest of the business, we should reflect on what might be driving that behaviour and then think about how we could help. In my book, Transforming Insight, I said that the 14th secret of successful insight teams is that they learn how to harness the power of their introverts. If your organization is a member of the IMA, you can explore this topic further by reading the Insight Leader Guide, IMP 304, Influencing Skills for Introverts available on the IMA website, to anyone with a licence to access our member content.
0: You're listening to the Transforming Insight podcast, published by the Insight Management Academy, the world's leading authority on transforming corporate insight teams.
1: As well as recording this podcast episode, this week I've been in Manchester with some of my colleagues, Lisa Dutton, Julia Josky, Tim Downing and Roy Hammond. And the talk around the office today has been about the social etiquette of in-person events versus online events. We're blessed with the opportunity to spend time every week with insight managers, researchers and analysts. And it's always interesting to observe the way they respond to the ideas that we're sharing at forums and workshops and any changes in those patterns of behaviour. A noticeable one in recent months has been the varying degree to which leaders have grabbed the chance to come back to -to face-to-face forums or still prefer to sign up for online events. And another, the social awkwardness we sometimes see in more junior team members in particular, those who might have joined their organisation during the lockdowns. We see this even during online workshops, where there's sometimes a reluctance to switch cameras on. Or an embarrassed silence when a workshop participant is invited to, well, participate. It's as if the lockdowns have provided introverts in particular with an unprecedented opportunity to withdraw from unwanted social interaction. And those who incline towards the introversion end of the spectrum have been given license to avoid situations that we might normally have had to adapt to. Recording this episode in November 2022, the lockdowns now seem quite a distant memory in our office. We all started coming back to our desks for at least a day or two a week as soon as the rules allowed, and we've loved having the chance to run in-person forums again in London and Manchester, as well as continuing our programme of online forums for leaders and online workshops for team members. But we do get it. When the lockdowns were first introduced in the UK in March 2020, I retreated to an unseasonably warm garden and spent three months writing the Transforming Insight book. I'd hold an online team meeting every week with close colleagues just to check in and make sure everyone was okay. But during the rest of the week, I relished those highly unusual circumstances, circumstances that allowed me to focus on just one activity and gave me the time and space to develop ideas in my head and frame sentences with few interruptions. Had I been at an earlier stage of my career, that moment when I first got chance to query Barclay's database all those years ago, identify patterns in customer behaviour and develop lines of argument and recommendations, well, maybe I'd have got so comfortable doing that in my own space that the idea of coming back into an office or being forced into social interaction would have come as an unwanted shock to the system. So how, as insight leaders, should we respond? Well, my colleague Lisa has been preparing for this current round of Insight Forums by looking at the roles which effective leaders are playing in a post-pandemic world. And she's identified four. The synchronizer, the innovator, the coach and the chief collaborator. I'll ask her back onto the podcast at some point to talk about all these roles and their relevance for Insight Leaders. But I think they all relate to today's topic, so I thought I'd mention them quickly now. When we, we behave as a synchronizer, we make deliberate decisions about what work can be done when and where, and we facilitate what Lisa calls purposeful colleague interactions. We distinguish between soft work, which requires interaction, and hard work, which doesn't, and we coordinate our team's diaries to make sure that the time we require them to spend in an office is dedicated to collaboration, discussion, and social interaction. As innovators, we introduce new tools, methods and ways of working so team members can thrive wherever they are. That might mean identifying best practice for running hybrid meetings, where some of our colleagues are at home, some in the room. When we consciously assume the role of the coach, Lisa says we need to guide our team members safely and optimistically through the hybrid working world. We need to inject positive energy, and understand in more detail which tasks excite or demotivate our colleagues. And then, as our department's chief collaborator, we're called on to work with our team to co-create and establish the optimal hybrid work model. In some organisations, that meant identifying colleague personas to help develop strategies that accommodate a range of attitudes to working from home and interacting with others in the office. So let me finish by going back to the start. In our discussion about introverts. Three years ago, the key challenge was how we introverts could thrive in a world shaped by extroverts for extroverts. And in particular, how team leaders could harness the power of introverts to improve the overall department's influence. In a post-pandemic working environment, I think there's a parallel challenge. How can leaders help all our team members to thrive and survive in a hybrid working environment? One that ought to make the best of both worlds possible, but which will now require us to take even more deliberate steps if we're to learn how to harness the power of our introverts. So here's a reminder of five key points that you might like to take away from this podcast. Number one, insight teams tend to contain more introverts than most other corporate departments, especially those with lots of analysts. Number two, marketing departments and the senior leadership group we seek to influence will probably contain a far higher proportion of extroverts. Number three, many of our working practices that have developed in our offices over the last few decades implicitly favoured extroverts over introverts. Four, many introverts feel really uncomfortable when faced with the challenge of influencing others – and yet, as team leaders, we know that this is important for our overall departments. And number five, the lockdowns have exacerbated introverts' natural tendency to work on their own. And if leaders are to get the best from every member of our team, we should adopt the roles of the synchronizer, the innovator, the coach and the chief collaborator. In three of our last four episodes, I've talked about influencing skills, and in particular, how to approach the topic of influencing decision makers in a more strategic way. I've suggested that we should first improve the insight that we have about senior decision makers as a group, and the communication preferences held by our key stakeholders in particular, and then that we should set about the task of establishing ourselves as trusted advisors with the senior people who make the most important business decisions. But sometimes this long-term strategic approach to influencing doesn't cut it. We haven't got time to develop understanding or trust, so we just need to be more canny with our tactics. And that's what we'll look at in our next episode, the final one in Season 2 of the Transforming Insight podcast.
0: Thank you for listening. Transforming Insight is available on all leading podcast platforms. Subscribe now to get notified when the next episode is released. Check out all the resources in the show notes and sign up to our email list. The Transforming Insight podcast is brought to you by the Insight Management Academy, who reserves the rights to the content. For more information on any of the ideas discussed in the episode, please visit www.insight-management.org.